Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to John chapter 14. Gospel of John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6 and 15 through 17. John 14, verses 1 through 6 and 15 through 17. This is the last message in the Hero series, a series all about Jesus because He is our ultimate hero. John 14, these are the words of Jesus. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then beginning with verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Christian author James Wind several years ago was visiting Chicago, Illinois, and he decided to tour the the city's Museum of Contemporary Art. If you've ever been in any city's Museum of Contemporary Art, you're going to see some really weird works of art in contemporary works of art. And James Wind, as he was walking through Chicago's Museum of Contemporary Art, he came up on a piece of of art, a work of art, that you and I might question as to whether or not it really is a, a work of art. It was a church sign, a sign that had been displayed in the front of a church, but it was being displayed in the Museum of Contemporary Art. It was a a church sign on which this church had listed the events that were going on in its facilities that week. And at the bottom, it had the title of the upcoming sermon for for the upcoming Sunday. And here's what it said. Evenings at seven in the fellowship hall. On Monday, Alcoholics Anonymous. On Tuesday, abused spouses. On Wednesday, eating disorders. On Thursday, say no to drugs. On Friday, teen suicide watch. Saturday, homeless soup kitchen. Sunday sermon, 9 a.m., America's joyous future. It was a mixed message, wasn't it? It was one in which there was apparent hopelessness, and yet it was mixed with this message of some kind 
of hope. I want to talk with you this morning about hope. I've said this to you before. I, I will say it again. I, I, when I talk with people week in and week out in private conversations, the one thing that I sense more than anything else that people you and I know are desperate to experience, it is hope. People are looking for hope. People feel like they're at the bottom of a barrel, maybe so far in, below the bottom of the barrel, but that they have to look up to see the bottom and they are just desperate for some kind of hope. Where do you find it? Where do you find the relief, the hope that so many people in our world are looking for? The French philosopher and Jesuit priest uh, Tellard de Chardin once said this, he says, the world will belong tomorrow to those who brought it the greatest hope. The world will belong tomorrow to those who brought it the greatest hope. People are looking for hope. But there's a difference between uh, what we traditionally think of as hope versus the hope that the Bible offers, the biblical Christian hope. The traditional definition for hope goes something like this. It is a feeling of expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. And usually that certain thing to happen is something that will make our lives better. That is almost always what hope is. I mean, we're not going to hope for things to get worse. So we're hoping in our situation, in our darkness, that something will come along to make life better. There is a difference, however, between that definition of hope and a biblical hope. In fact, they're as different as night and day. Let me tell you what a biblical hope is not what a biblical Christian hope is not. It is not wishful thinking. For many people, hope is wishful thinking. Uh, you, you hope that something will happen that has not yet happened, but you're hoping that it will happen. I wish it to be so. It's kind of like saying, I hope the Braves will win the World Series. Wait, wait a minute, that, that's false hope. Scratch that. Uh, I, I hope that I will have enough money to retire when I reach age and you fill in the blank. Uh, I, I hope that I'll have enough money to retire when I reach the age 95. 95, I think I'll be okay. Uh, but ingrained in that kind of hope, the traditional definition of hope, is this assumption in the back of your mind that whatever it is you are hoping for, there is also the... Uh, strong possibility that it won't happen. I hope that I'll be a rock star, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not good. I hope that I'm going to be uh, a professional ball player, you name the sport, but I realize that there's a good possibility that's not going to happen. That is the traditional view of hope, but that is what the biblical view of hope is not capitalized in OT. The biblical hope is a confident 
expectation. It is a firm assurance regarding things that to us are unclear and unknown, but we believe in them and we look for them. It's not an I hope so or I wish for it to be so. It is I believe that it's going to be so because the Bible tells me so because Jesus said this was the way it's going to be and I believe what Jesus says. The Apostle Paul, when he talked about hope, he wasn't talking about a wish-it-to-be-so kind of hope. He was talking about a confident, assured, definite hope for what he was looking for. He says to us in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25, the Apostle Paul says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Nobody is the rhetorical answer. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently because it is a confident assurance that that is in us as people who have invited Christ into our lives. The writer of Hebrews In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. You see, hope in the Christian sense is is not a, boy, I I wish this would happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. Hope in a Christian sense is Jesus said this was going to be, and therefore it will be what's going to happen. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11 says, talks about the faith of Noah. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. It's, it's hard to imagine Noah. Uh, God appears to him and says, I'm going to judge the world. The world has gotten so sinful, so evil, and I'm going to judge the world by sending a flood. Now, if I'm understanding correctly, Noah had never seen rain. They had never seen rain. Rain, the only humidity on the earth was that 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 floated up from within the earth. And yet, here, God says to Noah, it's going to rain And I'm sure they had some sort of conversation that's not recorded in Scripture about what rain was. And so Noah, acting upon what God said, started building an ark that was decades in the construction. And yet he acted upon what God had said. He wasn't just wishing that a flood would come or wishing that that he would be prepared for when rain started, whatever rain was. But he was confident that what God said would occur would indeed occur. Hope. It's an essential component of the Christian life. We are lost without it. The Apostle Paul, as much as said so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, he says, if in this life only, this earthly life only, we have a hope in Christ, we're of all people most miserable. But Paul knew that our hope was not resting only in what we see here in this human life, but we have a hope that transcends this human life and goes beyond death and is eternal, everlasting, non-stoppable. Do you have that hope? Without this hope, 
Our lives have absolutely no meaning whatsoever. And, and that's what brings me to uh, talking about Jesus because that's what makes Jesus such a hero. The hope that Jesus provides you and me is a hope that goes far up, above and beyond any kind of hope that anything else in this world could offer us. And that's a hero to me. I want to talk to you about three ways that Jesus offers hope and that he's a hero in those ways that he offers hope. First off, I want you to note that Jesus gives us hope for the now, the here and now. When I was uh, growing up, I grew up in country Baptist churches in North Georgia. My dad was and still is a, a country Baptist pastor and I will just tell you that all the sermons every single Sunday in those churches were salvation sermons, meaning the world is, is lost, and uh, if, if you're lost, you're going to hell when you die, but so you need to receive Christ and have eternal life. That, that was the, the essence of every single Sunday sermon, which really is a good thing because it was indicative of the fact that they believed, and I certainly still believe, that salvation— a person's relationship with Christ is truly the most important experience that any of us can ever experience. So salvation is, is absolutely essential. It is absolutely important. But what those sermons neglected was any information on, okay, I'm saved now, how do I live the Christian life? There was nothing about that. All the sermons were about salvation, and so there was nothing for us who'd been saved about, okay, well, uh, I, 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 I got the part about being saved, but now how do I live? How does Jesus want me to live? How do I deal with these certain crises? And one of the things that Jesus tells us in this passage in John chapter 14 is that Jesus has, has provided us with what we need, not just for hope way out yonder, but hope for right here, right now. And I think that's really important because Christian people are, are desperate for a hope that says, okay, not only will you have heaven in the afterlife, but you, you have something here and now that will help you through the crises. In our church, we've got about eight different families who have lost uh, who have lost immediate family members within the last two weeks. That's a lot, man. And I try to, although I miss sometimes, I try to send out an email to all of our church people uh, informing you about the deaths that are in certain families. And, and that's become what I've been emailing you about more than anything else here lately. I know you're tired of hear, getting my emails, but, but those kind of emails, man, they're really sad. But these people, especially those who are, who are experiencing someone who's died and they didn't expect that person to die, they're, they're dealing with this thing and they're, they're, they're asking the question within themselves, God help me, how do I deal with this crisis? Some of you are, are dealing with an impending uh, health diagnosis. Some of you are dealing with crises in your home. Some of you are dealing with crises with your children. Some of you are dealing with crises at work, and you're wondering how, how you're going to have enough dollar at the end of the month to cover everything that needs to be covered. And you're wondering, how, how am I going to deal with Monday and with Tuesday and with Thursday and with Saturday? You see, so many times in, in Christian faith, we become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. And yet, 
so much of what the scripture talks to us about is about how to live in this life as we prepare for the next life. And Jesus said this, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So one of the ways that Jesus uh, helps us, gives us hope for the here and now is he gives us his word to comfort us, to teach us, to reprimand us, to instruct us, to, uh, to turn us from, from evil to good. So through his word, he gives us hope. And then he said this, he says, and I will ask the father, this is verse 16, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And of course, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And so how does the Lord give us hope for here and now? One, through his word, the Bible. And secondly, through his presence that comes to us through his Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian and you know that you've invited Christ into your life and you have a relationship with him, what that means is that the very presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your very life. He lives within you. You can't go anywhere without taking him. And he is there to help you. He is there to help us. He's there to give us a hope for the here and now. But not only does he give us a hope for the here and now, but he gives us a hope for tomorrow. Jesus said in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, who is the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you talking to his disciples and therefore talking to you who have received Christ, you are saved. He says, he lives with you. You know him for he lives with you and here's future tense. He will be in you. Now for the disciples, he was already in them. He's already in you. But the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you means that not only do you have the internal power of God to help you through whatever crisis you're facing now, but you also have the promise of God's presence and his power and his provision to help you with whatever crisis you'll face next Tuesday, next Thursday, next Sunday. It was important to Jesus. He knew at the time that he gave this, uh, this message in John 14, he knew that the time was getting very close. This was the last week of his life before he was crucified. So he knew the day was coming. He knew that Friday was coming. And it was important to him that these disciples knew that when Jesus went back to the Father, it didn't mean that he was abandoning them, but rather he would go back to the Father and then his spirit who is the presence of Jesus, would come down and be with all of them. As long as Jesus was here physically, he was limited. He had voluntarily limited his attributes, his divine attributes, which meant that this always present God limited his omnipresence when he came to earth as a physical human being, and he could only be one place at one time. Jesus was never at two places at the same time when he was here walking on earth. But when he left and went back to the Father, his Holy Spirit came, his Holy Spirit retains that omnipresent, everywhere present attribute of God. And therefore, when you go somewhere and you're nowhere near where I am, God is still with you and God is still with me and God is still with you. And therefore, Jesus gives us hope 
and He will give us hope tomorrow. Number third, number three, Jesus does give us hope for the life hereafter. Now, I don't want us to so focus on life hereafter that we, we neglect what Jesus does for us here and now and then tomorrow. But I, at the same time, I don't want us only to emphasize what Jesus does for us now to the exclusion and the neglect of what Jesus has provided for us in the future. Jesus gives us hope for life hereafter. And he tells us that beginning with verse 2. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. King James says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That's the way we normally have quoted that. And, and based upon that, in my father's house are many mansions. There are all kinds of wonderful songs. I'm going to build a mansion on the hilltop. I want a mansion. I don't want a cabin. I want a mansion on the hilltop. All that kind of stuff. But I think it misses the point. The point is, and I think the newer translations really get the essence. Jesus is saying, look, in my father's house, in his mansion, there are many rooms. And when you as a believer die and you go to heaven, God is not going to put you over there in the corner of the pastor and he's not going to force you to live alone. God is going to invite you into his house and one of those incredible rooms in his mansion is reserved for you. <laughs> I mean, you, you want a mansion versus a room in God's mansion? Huh? Jesus is telling his disciples, look, guys, things are about to get really bad, and I'll be with you there. My word and my spirit will be with you. But there is coming a time when you will breathe your last breath here. And, and in that event, your last breath here, your next breath, I have provided something. I am preparing something for you that is absolutely phenomenal. And so Jesus is our hope for now, Jesus is our hope for tomorrow, and Jesus is our hope for the hereafter. Verse 6, he says, well, verse 3, he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you so that when I come back, I can take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. Do you hear that? Are you, think of, right now, I want to ask you, to th I want you to think of a couple of names. Don't say them out loud, but just think of a couple of names of people that you love to be with. Got them? You got them? All right, now I want you to think of a couple of people. Think of the names of a couple of people. Please don't say them. Please don't say them that you'd rather not be with. Jesus looked at this roughhouse bunch of disciples and he looks at them, many of them had given him multiple reasons for, for him to sufficiently say, I don't want to be with you. But here's what he says. He says, when I get to heaven, I want to be with you. He's saying to you, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. And his desire to spend time with you is so great that even now, this master architect, this master construction worker is building a room in God's mansion with your name on it. I heard the story of a little lady who is one of those matriarchs of the church. She had been saved at, at a young age and 
all of her life, even her family's life, she had, she had grown up in the church, and as she got older, she worked in the church. She had a real servant heart, and people, when they saw her, she, they just immediately thought of a godly person because she was uh, someone who uh, epitomized godliness. And later in her life, she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And because she had been such a servant-hearted person, a lot of people came by to minister to her, saying they're praying for her. And there was a younger member of the church who came by to see her one day, and, and she, she held, her, held her hands and she said, she said, I, I can tell that you're really suffering. I wish you weren't suffering. I can tell you're really suffering a lot, I'm afraid. She was trying to be helpful. She didn't have any words to be helpful. And so the older lady just tightened her grip on that young person's hands. And she says, yeah, but look. Look at my hands. There are no nails here. Yeah, I'm suffering, but there are no nails here. He took the nails, honey. I got the hope. And look at my head. There's no crown here. There's no crown of thorns here. He took the crown of thorns and I got the hope. You see, Jesus took the suffering and he gave us the hope. Jesus is our hope. Hope is what keeps us putting one step in front of the other. Hope is the reason, real reason, that we, we go to church. Sometimes we don't like going to church. Have you ever gotten up and said, oh, I just don't want to go to church? Sometimes I get up and I don't want to go to church. Amanda says, you got to go to church. <laughs> You're preaching today, you got to go. You got to go. But Jesus really is our reason for getting up and going. He is our hope. And my question for you is this. Is Jesus your hope? You want me to tell you something that happens every Sunday in this building? Between our two services, there is someone here every single service who has yet to invite Jesus Christ into their life to be Savior and Lord. There's always at least one person here who has, has not made that decision. Every time we have met in this building since our first service on January the 3rd, every service somebody is here who's never received Christ. And for that person, there's no hope. And so I want to just say, just in closing, just to you, if you're here and you've never made that decision before, maybe nobody even knows about it, if that's you, I want you to know that you're the most important reason that we are here outside of worshiping Jesus. You're the most important reason we're here because we want everybody to come to know Christ so that everybody can have hope. You say, well... I want that hope too, but I don't really know how to do it. When we get up to sing, if you've never received Christ, when we get up to sing, I want to invite you to come down to the front. I want to help you pray to receive Christ in your life. Say, man, I don't know how to pray. We'll help you. Oh, I don't know what to say. We'll help you. I don't know what to do. We'll help you. So I want you to come down. And we, we want to help you as you invite Jesus Christ into your heart. I want somebody to be able to leave here today saying, I came here with no hope, but I'm leaving here with the greatest hope. Is that you? 
you say, well, Jimmy, I'm a Christian. And I feel kind of hopeless. I've got Jesus in my heart, but I feel kind of hopeless. I want to pray with you too, man. Not so you get saved again, but so you can draw closer to the Lord, your real hope in this time of crisis. Do you have a church home? Some of you uh, have been visiting here for several weeks, maybe some, several months. Have you thought about making this church your home? You can do that right here in a few minutes during this invitation. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you're so good to us. <laughs> you're such a hero. You're able to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. You're able to do for us what nobody can do for us. Those times when we wake up on a Monday and life is caving in, you are our hope for here and now. And Lord, none of us know everything about what the future has in store for us, but one thing we do know is that you, who are our hope here and now, will be our hope when whatever comes our way in the future comes. And Lord, I thank you that when this life comes to a close for any one of us who know you, death is not a period at the end of a book. It is a comma. We pause at it, but then we keep going. And it keeps going and going and going. Because the hope you give us is eternal hope. And I pray that somebody who doesn't have hope will leave with that hope today. In Jesus' name, amen.